Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. show and we have a very special edition today it is not often that i get to have a fellow podcaster on who also happens to be really really good at football currently today we have with us the general Verone mckinley the third from the oregon ducks you know him you love him he's your favorite db in the country i know it <laughs> but he's also a podcast host he also has a brighter future in the media than, than any of us. So I, I got to ask, like, what, what made you want to start doing a podcast while you're still, while you're still playing in college? Um, I always thought that it'd be good to start early. I felt, you know, kind of building that resume because I know that football doesn't last forever. And I know I wanted to start really as soon as possible. And we decided to do the NFL, of course, the Return of the Check Fade podcast. So we kind of avoid any conflicts or anything like that so that's that's kind of how that started and just through elite media group we just wanted to start pushing the narrative you know some guys that have really played football and and understand it from a different perspective and we just wanted to kind of put information out there for somebody who may not fully understand what's going on or why we're explaining certain things so that's kind of how that came about so i was listening to the check fade and, and it's it's you and and two of your friends and one of them played at usc one of them's in the air force right so I was thinking about this, though, because you guys break down the NFL very thoroughly. And there's, there's a lot of talk about scheme. There's a lot of talk about what could have happened, what should have happened, and rankings in terms of, of who's best. So you do realize you are probably going to be in the NFL at some point very soon. Are you worried there's receivers clipping little snippets of this going, oh, I got something for him when I see him? <laughs> Um, no, it is something I've thought about before, like once or twice, but for the most part, I feel like not everybody even really knows about the podcast like that that's playing. I mean, of course, I have some friends in the NFL, so that makes it a little different, but for the most part, I mean, I hope they did listen, and you can come right at me whenever that time comes. You're going to have like the Jalen the Ramsey list. He's trash. <laughs> oh, I am? Trash. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey's podcast would be very short, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, so that's... I mean, I like I like the competitive spirit. So if somebody was, you know, they think I'm against them or something. That's fine. I always want people to bring their best at me, regardless of who it is. So that's what I, I just want to see that. I wanted some dude to be so salty <laughs> over like 30 seconds of something you said two years earlier to just have it playing in his locker, and you'll be in his head. It's perfect. That's that's all you need. Yeah. So as we sit here, it's it's Tuesday. You guys play Cal on Friday. This is your first game since since losing to Stanford in overtime. And I heard you talking when you, when you were being interviewed earlier in the day about balling it up, throwing it away. That that first loss. How do you do that? How do you how do you reset yourself? Um, I think it first starts looking at yourself in the mirror. 
instead of, you know, pointing fingers or blaming somebody else, look at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, somebody like me who takes a lot of responsibility and, and credit and all of that, and even the good and the bad, I like to look at myself in the mirror. I felt I didn't – I wasn't as big as the impact as I've been the past first four games than I was then. So understanding that, taking it, and then when I say ball up and throw it away, that's just the moving on process because if you let it dwell, that's going to hinder your performances down the line. So something I've kind of been taught from an early age, I used to play quarterback, so – my dad, my trainer from DB, like, let's say I had a bad session. We'd, like, ball it up and throw it away. Like, we just take it away. You, you mentioned something else when you were talking earlier that, that I thought was, was fascinating because you talked about kind of resetting yourself to zero after every play, good or bad. How critical is that to, to avoid getting too high or, or, or too low while you're on the field? It's just something that's, that's real particular in football because – you always want to stay poised. I feel like coming into this year, big word of my my choice was poised because there are certain plays that dictate a game. There's probably like 10 to 12 plays that really dictate a game, but you can't allow yourself to get caught up in it because the moment you get too high and you're feeling high and mighty because you made a play, that's when you get popped. Or whenever you get too low, you can't recover from it, so now you're just, you're just in a bad flow of the game. So continue to be consistent and just be a straight, even line and even killed because you always got to go back out there. Even if you go, I go out there, get a pick six, we're right back on defense. So resetting yourself is just huge. And I think that that's been part of my success is being able to get back to zero. And and you've done this because you, you've, like, as a freshman, your first game against Auburn, you're on the field when, when they score right at the end of the game. Now, flash forward to Ohio State this year, you're in a similar situation. You need you need a play to put the game away. You're the guy who makes the play, and so in the moment, how how hard is that for the when you give up a touchdown or when you get that pick to to flip the switch and to be back at neutral? Um, it is it is difficult. We're human, so you know when you do things really well. You you do want to be appreciative, and you kind of want to not brag about it but you want to be like it's I'm I'm him I did it like this is me but being able to okay I guess the best way to put it right after the Ohio State game we get back you know we had a long flight back I come back into the facility at 7 30 in the morning we get back probably at 10 or something I'm back right up here. I couldn't sleep anyways so I come back up here early and I had to get right back to work because that's just how I've been trained and through my parents through my trainer through Coach Fell, Coach Cristobal, coaches just implementing it, that into me that you can't let success be the dictator of how you're going to perform or how you're going to act. Because you, those things, games like that, big game, I make probably the play of the game, whatever you want to call it, perfect. And I'm somebody that's super humble and super hungry, so now I want more. I want more. Knowing I did it on one of the biggest stages, I want to do it against everybody. I want to dominate every single person, and that's, that's the goal this year. It's my third year playing. I was like, I want this to be the year of mastery. I feel like my first year, you know, you're learning, you understand, you're getting better. Second year, I feel like I established myself a little bit. Now it's like, okay, I want to be a master of it, where it's like he just doesn't belong out here. Do you do you usually not sleep after games? Is it hard to to turn your brain off? A little bit. I'm somebody who wants to watch the film as soon as the game's over. So I want them to upload the film, and I'm going to watch it. But really, it's easy. I'm tired, so I go home lay down and probably go to sleep or watch TV or whatever it is. That's just kind of been me. I mean, after games like that and, you know, we play late sometimes, you're just exhausted, especially when you lay it all out there. So I, I'd say I'd sleep for the most part. This team, you're, you're in a situation where 
if you keep playing well, there are a lot of really good things that can happen. But you, you, it seems like the teams that, that kind of focus on the big picture tend to lose their way as the season goes on. How do you, how do you avoid falling into that trap? Um, it goes back to we say the one and zero process. Like we really mean that. There's certain things on the team that we mean one and zero process and the fourth quarter. Those two things mean a lot to us. And the one and zero process is all about preparing the same way for every single game and understanding that we need to play our best every week and that our, we're trying to basically be better than our last performance. We always want to continue getting better. The the better you get throughout the season, the better chance you have at the end for the goal that you want to achieve. So for us, it's been steady reiterating that. And we have a really good program. I've been here since Coach Cristobal has been here. So we know what it looks like when we are basically on edge, when we stay on edge and, and play really well. We're one of the best teams in the country. So understanding that and being able to do it week after week after week and just focusing on that week and not worried about the week before, the week after, helps us be great. And I think that with so many leaders on this team and guys coming back and guys who've played a lot of football, they understand that because we've been close. We've been to the point where we were okay. We've been we were really good in 2019, 2020. We had some games that we let get away. So now we've taken all of that and implemented it into this season. And that's why I feel like we lost to Stanford, but we learned some things there and, and we were able to look ourselves in the mirror and grow from that. And so that's why we're able to just stay focused on the task at hand, living in the now and, and taking it from there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So you got a lot of football left, whether it's here at Oregon or, or, or at the next level. But what's, what's the dream, the post-football dream? Because obviously you've got a talent for this talking into a microphone thing. So what do you want to be? Um. It's a couple of things. So I want to own my own media company. I want to be in broadcasting, specifically more broadcasting for football, but I could do any sport, um, journalism, debate shows, really anything just around sports. I want to be around sports no matter what it is, boxing, UFC, baseball, basketball. You have too much knowledge to be in a debate show. That's the problem. 
you, you've got the personality for it, but but the problem is a lot of times though it feels like those guys are just I gotta I gotta take this position or I gotta take this position. You're gonna be breaking down coverages and stuff, and they're gonna be like, no no no, you're supposed to yell at this guy sucks. <laughs> um, I mean I feel that I do like to argue, especially when it comes to sports. I've been like that since I was younger, just arguing things, especially from my perspective. So being on those debate shows, I feel like it would be something I'd like to do. But I, I totally get it if I'm able to just do broadcasting, it, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to be well-versed. It's kind of like on the football field. I feel like I'm versatile. I'm versatile in the media field as well. Well, you're smart. The, the wanting to own your own media company, that, that kind of having your own thing is is the goal for all of us where, you know, we, we all, you know, some of us, like I work for, for The Athletic, but I also work for SiriusXM, and I also, right. you know, do, I, I've written a couple books with people on the side, and you're always looking for that that thing that you can make your own. Which is, I think, is so is so smart to do, and to think about that at this age. Because when I was in college, it never even occurred to me mm-hmm. that I could have my own company or I could I could be the the person in charge. I thought, I, oh, I have to go work for a newspaper, and you know, I'll cover high schools, and then I'll cover a college team, and then I'll be maybe they'll make me a columnist or something. Right. And it's just it, it's amazing to me how much further ahead you guys are in this day and age, like understanding what you can be and, and what you can become. So I, I can't wait for that. So, you know, I, I like the, the, the thing listening to you talk, I can't wait to, to see what you turn into because you could be the Tony Romo type, the, the commentator, the analyst guy, but like Joel Klatt, the guy who does games at Fox, he, he played QB at Colorado, really good athlete. He's the analyst with Gus Johnson. But if you turn the mics around and told Joel to be the play-by-play guy, He'd be perfect at it. Exactly. I love Gus Johnson. Oh. We, we, <laughs> I'm a very big fan of Gus Johnson. Gus is, Gus is all energy all the time. He's like, the perfect voice. Literally, like, he's like, the, in my opinion, he's one of the voices of college football. Like, just his voice alone and the energy he brings to every game. Like, we like playing on Fox, just seeing the game over again and hearing him. All right. Well, you're a Gus Johnson fan. I want to ask you, better Gus, football or basketball? Oh man, that's a tough one. Yeah, because when he was when he was doing the NCAA tournament games, he's he, he, since he's moved to Fox, I don't think he does them anymore. But oh my god, when you got a buzzer beater and Gus Johnson's calling yeah, it, yeah. See, but I, I'm gonna say football just because I like Dick Vitale more than oh. basketball. So I'll I'll say football for okay. Gus. Okay. The, the thing about ball. Gus is like when the ball's up in the air and you hear him, oh, exactly. you can hear his voice is just, oh, and then he had one. I imagine you watched some football. This this past weekend, the the touchdown pass where Iowa took the lead oh, was man. just a classic Gus Energy moment. Like his his voice is just rising as the ball's cresting through the air, and then the tight end catches it, and it's just boom right there at the there's, end. Yeah, there's a couple of plays. Let's the 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 Oklahoma interception where the dude had the one handed. Oh one, yeah, that was one of the, like just from a commentator perspective, I thought it was phenomenal. And then of course. Um, well, as a football player, though, were you going, wait, why are you picking that off? It's fourth down. No, it's funny because I know I know him. So like, I've been friends with him since he was in sixth grade. He's oh, that's right. Him. You're from you're from Texas. Exactly. You're, so yeah. I'm, I'm friends with him. So I, like, I was like, I understand why people were saying knock it down, but it was such a great play. It was like, I don't I don't know. And then, of course, CJ's run. CJ's long run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that one. We literally we talk about it all the time in the locker room to this day. We we love it. So I'm that's, a very big fan. That's great. Now, that's the next Gus Johnson is a is a good way to go. That's that would be that because he's he's on the NFL now. Yeah, 
I like him because they, they pair him with Aqib Tlaib. I love Aqib Tlaib no. because he he sounds he still sounds like a player. Mm-hmm. And I think Tony Romo at first was like that too because Tony Romo would just be pointing out, here's what the quarterback's seeing, this is what's going to happen. And Aqib's like that too, especially with DB play. And I just I just love because it feels like I'm more taken into the game, like exactly. inside it. And you understand what's going on. I'd like I'm big on kind of like the camera angles. I like seeing everything. Sometimes you can't see the you can't see the safeties or I don't know. I like the back view. I like I like it. That's are, why are, are you with me? Like every kid who grew up playing Madden wants the default camera angle to be behind the quarterback. Yes, on sir, the TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has to be that way. There's no other way. I don't need it too low either. I don't want it like right behind. Him. I need it a little high up so I can see everything. I did a story a couple of years ago because no, uh, NBC was experimenting with with a wire cam as their their main shot for Notre Dame football games. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. It was like it made me. It was cool when like when you had a long play because the the camera would just run along the wire and follow right. the receiver kind of over the top, but. It kind of it's weird because it kind of makes you nauseous. Like the you're so used to watching game one way, but that behind the QB view, if you could just get the camera up a little higher, just give me the Madden view. Let me see everybody moving around. Let me see the disguise, and then let me see how they drop to everything, and then show me the replay in slow motion of specifically maybe that wide receiver DB matchup so I can see the whole thing. Because, of course, people just see the catch and, like, oh, he got beat or whatever it is. And then it's like, let me see the technicalities of it. Let me see where he went wrong, if he missed, his jam was bad or if his feet were, were dead or whatever it is. So, See, I played on the line growing up, and, and so I want to see those one-on-one matchups. I also want to see what the defense is doing to confuse the offensive lineman or to confuse the quarterback. I, I, was, I was laughing – during the uh, the Texas A and M Alabama game, because Texas A and M was sending a bunch of blitzes, where it was clearly they're they're going to send one more than Alabama's leaving back to protect. And everybody's like, everybody's like, Alabama's offensive line really needs to to get it together. I'm like, That's what right. are they supposed to do? <laughs> it's especially exactly people have to understand. There's 11 people on the field, so if let's say they're sending seven, kind of got to leave got to leave the running back in. Somebody, so like you have you have five line, you have the running back, so that's six. If they're sending seven, that's on the QB. Somebody sacked. He has to get the ball out. Yep. Like, exactly. <laughs> somebody's coming free. Yeah. Somebody. So he has that's he has to be aware of who's coming free, and then of course, as long as with a nice secondary, you can do things like that because the ball has to come out fast. They understand the situation, so things like that, and that's why, like analytics. Sometimes I'm not a big fan of analytics. Sometimes. Um, and just people who just talk about stats or like like it's so much more to the stats. I feel like well, and that's the thing. I I, I feel like you got to blend it. Like exactly. I like analytics. I did a story uh, this summer about throwing the ball on first down and 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 what what difference it makes for the rest of the drive if you throw on first down. And it does give you more of a chance of success. But then I called the offensive coordinator at North Carolina, Phil Longo. Because I said, did you know, like last year, y'all averaged 11 yards a play when you threw on first down, and seven yards a play when you when you ran on first down. You see, like that—that's like a fact. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and, it's a and, fact. But he goes, he goes, great. Did you look at the play-by-play of the Virginia Tech and the Miami games? I was like, yeah, I ha- I did because you averaged nine yards a carry against Virginia Tech and ten yards a carry against Miami, and you just kept running the ball down their throat. Right. He's like, that's the difference. You can't. It can't be all analytics. You can't say, this is what I do. I just do this. He's like, you got to take what the defense gives you. And, and so that, I agree with you. It, it, when, when you get the folks that, that are analyzing the game that only want to analyze it from one spot or another, 
Because I, I don't. It's not just the analytics ones that bother me. It's it's the ones that that hate analytics too, right? And won't even and won't pay attention to it at all. Like some of it is good, especially like when they've identified. Okay, go back. You see the film, and they'll say somebody's the best corner when it's single high. Things like that. Like okay, I can appreciate that because it's true. They were man to man. This is the percentage of how many times right. they were thrown at him or the separation. Okay, it looks like he has this much separation on somebody. For instance, I, say, I saw a stat. It was like Odell and Devontae Adams, I think, were the two like most open guys. But their quarter, I don't know what – I don't think – who is it? Cleveland. So, of course, Cleveland, Odell hasn't been getting the ball as much or it's been sometimes bad throws or whatever right. it is. So, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's great. Okay, I'm looking at the clock. So, we we got to flip things around because the, the, the way we're doing this podcast, we got two podcasters here. So <laughs> – I don't need to be the host all the time. I'm, I'm handing this off. So, General, it's your show. Let's, let's go. I mean, I want to start from the basics. Where exactly are you from? Where am I from? I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. South Carolina. Uh, lived, lived there for seven years. Used to talk like this. I had an accent sounded just like this. <laughs> and then we moved. My mom was getting remarried, mm-hmm. and my future stepdad had taken a job uh, teaching high school and coaching football at – Coral Shores High School in Tavernier, Florida, which Tavernier is just south of Key Largo. So in the in the Florida Keys. So we moved Keys. to an, we moved to an island when I was seven years old, which was weird. But all all the kids made fun of my accent, so now I sound like I'm from nowhere. And uh, and then we spent four years there. There wasn't much going on for kids there, and my parents felt like I needed more opportunities, so they they moved us to Orlando. And so I went to middle school, high school in Orlando, played, uh, played football in high school. I was an a, a offensive lineman at a – we were in a, a big, big classification school. So it was a 6A in Florida when that was the biggest classification. And, um, and I, know I got recruited by the, the Ivy League schools and some, some – uh, we called it 1AA then, but it's FCS now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, no, 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 I'm better now. I'm I'm good. We had we had dudes on my team, like a guy signed with Florida. We had a D tackle signed with Georgia. And I played against guys that went to Syracuse and Illinois and, and Miami and and I was like I did okay against those guys. I'm, I can I can play, I can play one A. That's no problem. And so I just kind of picked college based on academics, mm-hmm. or well, I picked it based on money. Because <laughs> I, I, I applied to a lot of school, I applied to six schools that I thought, you know, academically I'd, I'd, I'd really like. And uh, the only one that was recruiting me at the time was Princeton. And that's the only official visit I took. My first beer that I ever drank was at Princeton on an official <laughs> visit. That's why I always love when there, there was a, a bunch of stuff years ago in, uh, it was when Willie Williams, yeah, you probably don't remember that name. Willie Williams was like the five star of all five stars. He was a, a linebacker from Miami, I think Carroll City High. Carroll City. And uh, a Carroll City Chief. I, I ended up playing with some of those guys. But um, he uh, he did a diary for the Miami Herald of all his recruiting visits and, and was, like, eating nine lobsters at Florida State. And everyone's like, they got these, these recruiting visits are out of control. I'm like, man, they're not out of control. I had I had my first beer at Princeton. You think they're, <laughs> they're out of control? But, no, I so I ended up going to Florida because it was free. I, I had an academic scholarship to Florida. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try to walk on there. And, uh, you know, the, the guy who recruits my area, Jim Collins, had been – it helped my dad was an assistant principal at another high school. And so when, when Coach Collins went to recruit at that school, he got hammered. And then he'd go over to my school and get hammered by my coaches. And they're like, you got to let this guy walk on. 
And he's like, whatever, okay, we'll just send us this tape. And so I, but I ended up doing kind of the, the open tryout thing, mm-hmm. got the Rudy speech from the walk-on coordinator, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, your greatest value to our team is that we don't care if you get hurt, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so I make the team, I go out for my first practice and I'm, I'm just, you know, standing there on a practice field, just like shaking, like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? And I look to my right, Javon Curse is standing there. Oh, man. His pads are on the ground. His oh, shoulder man. pads are on the ground. So he's got no shirt on. Oh, and man. I'm like, I got to block him. Wait, they all look like this? <laughs> and and so it's funny because when I was here here at Oregon, I, Joe Salavea, your D line coach, played with Javon on the Titans. Right. And so I walk into Joe's office and he's got a picture of Javon and, and Kevin Carter and, and all the other D linemen from that team. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know Freak. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, unfortunately. Because <laughs> I, was, I was just assuming at that point every player at Florida looks like that. And But the thing is, they, they, they did. I mean, it was shocking to see how big and fast human beings could be. Because I'm like 240 pounds playing offensive line. And I'm just getting my ass kicked every day. But it was really educational. Like, I learned, I didn't, I never played it down in, in, a, in a game because I wasn't any good. But it was very educational. Doesn't Javon Curtis, doesn't he have a son in the NFL right now? Uh, well, J. Ron is, is a relative, oh, uh, but no, yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. But yeah, he played, J. Ron played at Clemson, but right. they're all from Fort Myers, all that, that area. Sense. Makes sense. So yeah, it's, it, it, it was, it, it helped me with, with the job that I ended up doing. Cause I, I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was like 12 years old. So that was always more important to me than, than football. Cause I never thought, I'd be any good at football. I didn't think I'd play in the NFL. Obviously, I didn't think I'd ever be able to to play on a college team. So, um, so I always thought, okay, what do I? How do I further, you know, this career that I want, and and how do I become a writer? So, what? So you started writing when you were twelve years old. Was there something specific that really got you into writing? And if so, like what? What were you writing about when you were twelve years old? Well, I didn't. I didn't ever. I didn't start writing for money until I was fifteen. But um, my mom was a high school librarian, so she okay. would bring home books all the time. And she brought, uh, one day when I was 12, she brought home a book called Shoot Low Boys, They're Riding Shetland Ponies. And it was a, uh, it was a collection of columns by this guy named Louis Grizzard who wrote for the, the newspaper in Atlanta. And it was just funny. He just wrote funny columns. And so I'm reading it, and I'm laughing. And like, I asked my mom, I was like, this guy, does this guy make any money? And she's like, yeah, he actually makes quite a bit of money. I'm like, okay, that's what I want to do. And so that's that's what I and then he had put out his autobiography later and I found out he'd started out as a sports writer before oh, and so I was like, Okay, well I'll just do what he did and be a sports writer. And so like the Orlando Sentinel had a teen section called Rave and they were like, We'll pay you fifteen bucks for a CD review or fifteen bucks for a sports column. And I was like, Well, hell yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. So you can uh somebody my one of my high school friends sent me a copy of something terrible I wrote when I was fifteen just the other day. <laughs> What, I guess, what were all your stops in the media field? Like, I know you said you started at Rave. So what what are all the stops you've taken since you've now at the athletic, since you've gotten to the athletic? So I had to leave the football team at Florida to cover sports for the school paper because they wouldn't allow me to, to cover sports if I was on the team, which since I sucked was a fairly easy decision. <laughs> so uh, I did that and then got to freelance for the Orlando Sentinel and the Tallahassee Democrat while I was in college, which was awesome because I was basically covering the Gators for them. 
And so I got a lot of good experience, covered, you know, teams that were, were pretty good. They didn't, they only won the national title my freshman year. So I got lucky there. Uh, but, but they, uh, they were, these were good teams that had tons of NFL players on them. So, uh, that was a good experience for me just learning how all that worked. And then I graduated and assumed, oh, or well, at, let, let's let's go back. Like six months from graduation, I'm like, I have all this great experience. I've interned at the paper in Atlanta. I, you know, I, 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 I'm going to get a job. I could not get a job. <laughs> I, I, I would sit there in my apartment, like, calling everybody every day, just like, you got anything? You got anything? You got anything? And it turned out, eventually, I, I couldn't get a job after I graduated. And the Tampa Tribune, I had a buddy covering high schools there he talked his boss into letting me come down and so I lived on his couch and I wrote stories for like 40 bucks a story for the Tribune like they're like go to Wharton High School the the coach there is is doing a basketball camp for fourth graders and write a story for the community section real glamorous stuff like (laughs) eight-year-old softball like it's but but you learn hey look every every story is important to somebody that that I've been yelled at more by like high school soccer parents than, than, than for anything I wrote about a, a college team. But so I, I did that for a little while. And then the, the uh, Chattanooga Times Free Press, I had applied for their job covering University of Tennessee mm-hmm. right when I graduated and hadn't heard anything. And like, so this is, this is September of, two, of 2000. And they, they call, the sports editor calls me, goes, he goes, well, We've looked at a few people for the job, and now we're down to you. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and so everybody does the, well, I wasn't my wife's first choice. Well, I sure as hell wasn't my first job's first choice. Like, I, I've spent the, my career trying to figure out what six people got offered the job before me. I met, like, five of them. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> wow. Some of them are friends. It's, it's, it's great. But so I, end up, I get that job. And I go, they, I take the job on a Monday. I drive to Knoxville on that Wednesday. And the columnist for the paper takes me out to, pra- to Tennessee practice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be covering the Tennessee Vols. It's Florida week. Oh, man. And so the columnist introduces me to Philip Fulmer, the coach. Mm-hmm. And I shake his hand. And I say, you know, nice to be working with you. Can't, you know, can't wait to talk to you a little, little more. I know you're busy right now. And so they have practice. And we go around the corner to where we sit to wait for the players to talk to them after practice. And I'm sitting there for like 30 seconds, and all of a sudden the door swings open, like slams open. I'm like, what, what the hell is going on here? Philip Fulmer comes charging out and goes, did you play for Florida? And I'm like, oh, God, he's going to kill. Because it I, I hadn't even occurred to me, but he, I, I realized that oh, he thinks like I'm calling Steve Spurrier um. with like tips on – which, of course, I just got this job. I would never do something like that. And so I'm like, what do I say? What do I do? And he's just staring daggers into me. And I go, Coach, you have walk-on offensive linemen here, right? And he's like, yeah. I said, how loyal do you think they'd be to you? You beat them up the way you do. And he starts laughing. And I was like, all right. We're <laughs> good good. Now. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I, I told him, I'm like, look, this is my job. I'm not going to risk my job to, to, to call my old coach and say, right. <laughs> say here's, here's what they're doing on, on third and one. So, but yeah, and I did that. And um, 
but my wife was, or well, we weren't married yet, but she was still in school in Florida and I was in Tennessee and then she got into grad school in Florida. So I needed to get back. So I ended up taking a job covering high schools for the Tampa trip after, after two years in Tennessee, did that for two years. Then they moved me to Gainesville to cover Florida and it just happened to be, it was a really interesting time at Florida. They won, they won the basketball national title, then the football national title, then another basketball national title. So like I, I, Joe Kim Noah basically got me hired at Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Joe Kim Noah and, and Tim Tebow. Because um, Sports Illustrated called after the 07 season and said, hey, you know, we'd like someone based in, in the South to cover uh, football recruiting for us. I was like, okay. <laughs> Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So, like, the sports – was it Sports Illustrated that would have the guys on the cover? They'd have, like, the teams on the cover? Oh, absolutely. Before. So, I've, that's crazy. I've probably read – not knowing you, but I've probably yep. read – I don't know how – I mean, I get it every season, especially before oh, yeah. the season starts. So, I, so I, did that, I did that 11 years before I went to the Athletic. And, and one of my proudest moments – so it t- it took me a while before they would let me do stuff for the magazine. I was I was hired right for the website initially, but one of my proudest moments is in 2018. Now I blew it by predicting that they'd be in the playoff because they actually had a bad year that year. But we got all of Wisconsin's offensive line on the cover of the college football preview issue. Was that when Monty Ball was there? Uh, no, he was already gone. I, who was it? Was uh, oh, it was Jonathan Taylor. It was Jonathan Taylor's sophomore season. Oh, okay. Uh, so okay. yeah. so it's, it's that line. And as far as I could tell, because I, tr- I tried to research it, it was the first time an entire offensive line had appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So I felt like as an ex-offensive lineman, like I'm doing my deal, duty for, sure. for the big guys. It's a big deal. I'm surprised. That's, I don't know. There's been some pretty good old lines on there. I wanted an all-big guy preview issue. I wanted all – like we had their offensive line – uh, we wrote about Clemson's defensive line because that was when they had Christian Wilkins and Cleveland Furl. And this is what, 20, this is 2018? 2018. Year, Clemson wins the national title that year and with that unbelievable D-line. And I wrote, I wrote the Clemson D-line story too. And then they, they're like, well, we, you know, they slipped in a Khalil Tate feature. Khalil was the, the quarterback at Arizona sure, at the time. And I'm like, guys, it's supposed to be big guys. We're, right. we're honoring the big guys. You're messing up my vibe here. But... It was pretty good. I mean, Khalil was that was that was after his freshman year when he was oh, when he was going crazy. I, that, yeah, breaking records. Do you and, remember that that like four, four game span? Like the Colorado. Yes, I, no, the I Colorado remember, game was I, insane. I remember because I was like, who is this? Like, who is this dude? Because I remember. No, I remember, and then I remember when we played him in 2019. So we didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. He comes on the field. I'm like, okay, here we go. What was got, it like? I mean, how, how scared are you that he's just going to take off? 
that's that's the biggest thing because you want to stay on top of coverages, but you're like if everybody evades their backs up in the zone, he's just gonna take off. And of course, we knew because you know once a dual threat quarterback comes on, now you got to worry about you got to worry about him running and the running back running, and he's still able to pass it. And I remember one time, I think it was like a misdirection, and he took off, and I was like, uh oh. But no, that's 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 super cool. That's that's super cool. So. I don't, yeah, I don't think I have any more questions. You, you gave me nice, thorough answers. I, 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 I try. That's what, you know, that's the, the thorough answers. You never want to do the yes and no answers. And exactly. That's a, you, you've got that down. I was watching you with the, with the media today. And you've got the timing down because you, you can get them to laugh at your jokes. Like, they're eating <laughs> out the palm of your hand by the end of the thing. That's, that's the way to go. I just like to be calculated in my responses before I just speak, like at least kind of process it, get my thoughts together, and then – Spit it out. Uh, let me let me ask you this because this is something that I did not experience in college being not good. Uh, what's it like the first time you face that wall of of media people asking you questions? Is it is it scary? Is it is it easy? It was easy for me. I started. I mean, I've always been good in front of the camera, and then in high school, I started early just from recruiting, doing interviews, and everything. And I realized I was really good at it, and so. I want to do all media opportunities. I literally told our media guys, I've always said, if anybody wants to interview me or anything, I'm always good to do it. I'm always here for it. I want to, I want to increase my resume. So any interview with anybody, I'm, I'm down to do it. And I'm, under, I'm able to put out information that doesn't look bad on our program, look bad on myself or my family. So just that's part of it. That's the thing. And, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned it that way because I, I deal with players at different programs. And obviously at Oregon, they want you to – to be yourself mm-hmm. and they want you to, to put yourself out there accurately. There are a lot of places that aren't like that where they kind of tell the players, Hey, the media is the enemy. Don't, don't say anything interesting. Right. Like you've, you've got it. You've figured it out. You can say interesting things without giving away the game plan, without bad mouth, right. Without bad mouthing the other team, exactly. without throwing a coach or a, a teammate under the bus. It's not that hard. Literally. Exactly. And I, I think coach Cristobal allows us to kind of, be ourselves, like you said, and I knew that was kind of part of my brand, just with me having the media group, having the podcast. I know that I wanted to increase my brand as well, and this is another avenue of me doing it. And then, of course, playing well is really big. You want to play well because it makes those interviews way easier well, when you're yeah. playing well. And, and, and the, it makes the brand better. Now, since the NIL stuff has, has come into play, have you? how much have you done? Is I, I would assume the podcast is through – one of those deals, or was that something you were already doing? Planning I can't. To I can't give away my nil stuff yet. Okay. But there's some stuff on. Oh, the there's way. something worse. There's some stuff on the way. That's oh, all. I'm very nice. Say. There's some stuff on the way. How? Uh, without being too specific, what's that like when that starts? Are you coming up with ideas? Are people coming to you with ideas? How, how does how's that work? Um, a little bit of both. Um, sometimes there's just certain brands that I know, like. Okay, I'd reach out to them. Sometimes it's not always about, you know, just getting money. Sometimes it's just like sorts of product. Like I guess I'll give one example. I don't have a deal with them or anything, but Pedialyte. I DM Pedialyte. I was like something I drink for every game. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't want any money or anything. I just want some Pedialyte. <laughs> so if Pedialyte for listening, I still There you go. Want that Bring deal. it. But that's it. And then of course, um after Ohio State, things kind of turned up a little bit. But I was just always saying I wanted to be smart about it. So when it when it came out, I wouldn't. I didn't want to rush it. I didn't want to just make a quick dollar just for something I'm not even a big fan of. Well, and and I think that's smart because that's one thing I've learned doing the podcast is I have to do reads for a lot of different advertisers now, and right. uh, it's always more fun when it's something. We've had a couple that have come on 
through the years that were places I was already a customer of. Exactly. Like just loved it. And we've got we've actually got one coming on. I, I can't say it yet, but it, they're going to be sponsoring us very soon. And when they call, when, when they let our people know that they wanted to be on, I was like, oh my God, I've been their customer for 10 years. <laughs> I preach about their products to everybody I know. Like, it's easy. It's like, this is amazing. And, and we have, uh, I've been doing uh, Peloton reads. Like, I use oh, the Peloton yeah. app because, like, I don't know. You'll see when you get out of playing sports. Like, Peloton's some, huge. But sometimes it's hard to do workouts on your own. If you're so used to a strength coach or, or somebody, oh, yeah. give it. so like I do the Peloton app. I don't. I don't do the bike. I do the runs and and some of the other stuff. I just need somebody telling me, okay, now push, dial it back, put, and then that makes it easier. For, and and so when they came on board, I was like, oh, well, this is this is Perfect. great because it's funny because the we'll take people behind the curtain. The little the thing they send you, the PDF they send you is. Well, here you need to read this part verbatim, and then add a personal experience, which a lot of people are just BSing about the personal experience because sometimes they don't have it. One. But I'm like rattling off the the names of the instructors, like Chase Tucker and Selena Samuela, and mm -hmm. and so hopefully that that helps them, and they they think you know this is a better place to advertise. But uh, yeah, you you got it right because the the funniest story I heard about that is um, I was talking to to Mark Schlebaugh from ESPN on the radio, and and we were doing an interview and he, we, he was talking about Nick Saban and uh, Nick Saban is a, a, he has a couple of Mercedes dealerships, but he was talking about early in his time in Alabama. So before he had the Mercedes dealerships, uh, Kia came and, and was going to do a, a deal offering him a deal. And he's like, I drive a Mercedes. I can't do that. Exactly. Just <laughs> being authentic. Right? Yeah. And, but then he goes to it, Mark said that, that Nick at that point goes, but don't tell Julio Jones <laughs> that because Julio has like, three Kia dealerships in Atlanta. Oh. So, but yeah, no, I, I think the more authentic you can be, the better off you are. And like you could, I can tell 30 seconds after you open your mouth in a microphone that you are being you. You're not putting on an act. You're not trying to be somebody you're not. You're not doing a, I, I always thought my voice sucked. And so I started doing radio and I was like, well, what do I, do I try, do I try to do a different way? Do I try to sound like this? <laughs> I don't. I, I sound like someone stepping on a duck. It's okay, as long as you just be you. You're good. Exactly. So, oh no. Oh no. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I know you got a lot of work to do. You got the Cal game coming up on Friday night, but where can everybody get the check fade, and where can everybody find all your stuff? Um. So, check fade is on Apple, Spotify. It's on all podcasting streaming services so that's where that is elite media group on twitter there's my profile you just type my name in on instagram or twitter to find me i have it in my bio as well and anytime there's an nfl game on and i'm not at the facility or doing any type of school work you will see my tweets and my updates of my analyst hat i do it every every time i'm watching the game i put my analyst hat on so rome mckinley the general thank you so much no, i appreciate it thank you